All right, Trinity Church, how you doing? Great to see you today. Happy Wednesday. Hey, can we thank Justin and John? What a great job. Just love those guys. We are so grateful for the partnership with them. We got to be friends up at Forest Home working at family camp together. They're leaving from this time today up for week number four for them uh, being up there and doing a great job leading worship throughout the summer. We're just grateful to get to be on their uh, pathway there. We're kind of en route, so it works out great. Now, the great news is you can take Justin home. Now, that seems a little bit weird, like, will he fit in our car? I don't know. But his CDs are outside. And what we realized, we, we stumbled upon this recently, we we're trying to figure out how do people know where to go, and we realized, let's put them next to the donuts. You all know where the donuts are. So right out by the donuts to, the, to your right, you'll see a table with Justin's CDs, and he'll, he'll be there after the service with John if you want to interact with him a little bit. But he just talked about his new project, Bluegrass Stuff, great stuff, and we just love uh, getting to have that friendship and partnership with them. Well, I, my name is Todd Arnett. I'm the lead pastor here at Trinity. I want to welcome you here in the worship center as well. I want to welcome you guys out in the pavilion and those watching online. We're grateful that you're here with us today. We embark on a brand new series in a new month called Where You Fit at Trinity. I'm excited to kind of unpack the focus on really two fronts we'll look at in just a minute. If you have a Bible today, if you want to find your way to Psalm 139, Psalm feels like it's close to the middle of your Bible in the Old Testament, chapter 139, if you want to find your way there. Also, in your Trinity this week, you have some notes that look like this, this blue sheet. If you want to have those out ready to go, that will be very helpful to you. Um, so let me tell you this as you're kind of finding your place there and getting started. We are really excited. Two weeks from tonight, we launch our first 5.30 p.m. service. And we've been praying about that, planning for that for months. Really excited to finally be there. Uh, next Sunday, on the 11th, we're going to have the last of our launch team meetings. If you would like to do more than just simply attend, which we'd love for you to come attend that service, but if you actually want to come and be a part of it, if you're saying, hey, this is a community at that service time, I want to help build the culture, I want to serve, this is what you need to come to next Sunday, the 11th of August, 5.30, right here in the worship center. You're invited. We'd love to tell you a little bit about ways that you can get involved and ways that we can really make this service a neat new feature of what we do every weekend at Trinity Church. And just love for you to hear some of the vision behind it. So be a part of that, 5.30 next Sunday night. We'd love to have you here. Well, here we are. We're in this series, and what we've been doing kind of annually, we've been focusing the month of August around the idea of where you fit at Trinity, talking really on two fronts, helping you to find a role to serve in, and helping you to find a community, a small group to be a part of. That's what this whole month is going to be about. We think of ministry a little bit like a school year, so it makes sense that August is that time that we're kind of putting pieces together, and then we'll get ready and we'll kind of launch forward in the month of September. And so that's really our goal, and our emphasis these first two weeks is to really help you find a role consistent with the way that God's built you. And what I want to spend some time on today is to even show you from Scripture that God has really done something. He's been at work in you, shaping you, designing you for a role to serve in from the very beginning, even before you'd ever taken a breath. 
Before we get there, though, I want to share with you what we have been working on for months. Our staff team has been working on some core values, and we'll start kind of rolling those out. But one of our core values, it just makes sense that this month of August would have this kind of emphasis because one of our core values, it's in your notes, you are designed with a role in mind. You are designed with a role in mind. We believe we only have six core values, so it's not like it's one of 39 things on this long list. We believe in a a few things are really, really core and central to who Trinity Church is, and one of them is the expression of putting into use the way that God has built you, the way he's designed you. And so this idea, you're designed with a, a uh, role in mind, we really want to kind of walk that out a little bit today. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to walk us through a little bit of the acrostic. We actually have something at Trinity. I love it. It's called the design class. And, and it's actually not just a word, but it's an acrostic that goes down. And so my goal today, there's really one of two, I think, clear applications of what you ought to do today. It's either A, as Steve mentioned, go out to the Serve Expo out on the lawn today and find a role. You kind of know how God has built you, how he's designed you, and you're ready to go. You just needed to be asked. For others of us, we might go, you know, Todd, I'm not really sure how I'm designed. I don't know what God has done in putting me together. Then go to our design class. It's two weeks from today on that same day, the 18th of August. We've actually put it in the afternoon so you could come at 3.30, go to the class and be done in time to come to our first 5.30 service if you'd like to. But thir- next, or two weeks from now on the 18th, 3.30, and, and today, and you might even go, well, Todd, why are you teaching this material today if we're just going to offer the class? I want to give an overview for everyone because I think it's really powerful and it really just kind of helps all of us have clarity. The reason why, though, you'd want to go to the class or all the tools that are going to be specific to the class to help you know who you are and how you ought to serve. That's reserved for that. Today's just a big picture overview of what the whole concept of design even means. So take a look in your notes. Here's our now what statement. Remember, we do this every week. It's more than just a big idea. It's this is what I'm supposed to do today with what we've talked about. Understand your design and engage a role consistent with your giftedness. That's what today is all about. Understand how God's designed you and engage a role consistent with your giftedness. Before we get into the details of actually what this idea of design really means, I just want to take you all the way back to what the Bible teaches us about how you were actually put together. Your Bibles are open to Psalm 139. Look at verse 13. It's David writing to God. He says, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. And watch this. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You see, this is what I want to start with today. God knows you intimately down to the deepest detail. We sometimes struggle with the idea, we'll think of God as transcendent, and he is, meaning he's out and above everything. He is large and in charge. But we'll forget sometimes he's also at the same time more imminent. He's imminent to the degree even more than you've even fathomed. The Bible says, not just for David, but for all of us, God deeply knew every detail, not only in the formation of who you were before you were born, but all the days of your life were written in the book before one of them came to be. 
What this means is God is absolutely sovereignly in control. That's why we can see in Romans 8 that God is up to something. He is working out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And what I want to pull back from today, a lot of you were raised in churches like I was, where we would love to find out and and identify our spiritual gifts. And that's huge. That's a big part of what we'll do today. But the problem is that's kind of where it stopped. It's as though God kind of uniquely gave you these gifts void and not in a context of the larger picture of all of who you are. And that's what I love about Trinity's design class and the design idea. God absolutely knew everything about you and your giftedness is actually placed in the mix of your bigger picture of the holistic you, the design of who, what God has been making. So I'm excited that we'll get to uncover that a little bit today. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you right today to the choice, right today to a crossroads where really you're going to be at a place of going, I've kind of got one of two options. I can kind of move forward and either go to the design class in a couple of weeks or step out and, and go check out the expo and find a way that I can serve. Or for a host of reasons, I can say, nah, not for me. And I'm just going to tell you, this is actually with purpose. We finished off our parable series last week on the parable of what we call the talents. We called it faithful investors. And what I want to bubble to the top today is probably the most important resource God has given you, and that's the people resource of you. How you're going to invest your time, your energy, your gifts, your design, that's a big part of the stewardship conversation. And so today, as we laid out that foundation last week, today we take a real practical step and go, what does it actually look like to steward your people resource, to steward your design well and engage it for God's kingdom? And that's what I want to show you today and what I want to kind of bring and bubble to the top. Here's the way we're going to do it. The New Testament gives us really unique insight into Paul's design, the Apostle Paul. And using him as an example, I want us to not only see what God was doing all along in Paul's life, but what he's actually been doing in yours. So look at the first letter in your notes, the letter D. It stands for the word desires. Desires, God-given passions that further God's people and God's kingdom. Starts with your desires, your passions that are God-given that further his people and his kingdom. Your notes mention Romans 15, 20. This is what it says. Paul writing, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Now, here's what we know. We know as we read the rest of the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, and we see Paul's journeys into the world, we actually now hear the heartbeat behind what we saw as a behavior. You see Paul with this incredible interest to want to go to places who've never even heard the name of Jesus People who were worshiping all kinds of lesser things. And he wants to bring them the truth of God's word. And to be able to say the Messiah that the whole world's been waiting for. He's come. He died in your place. He made a way for you to be right with the creator of the universe. His name is Jesus. Let me introduce you to him. Now we see that pattern, but now we hear even the heartbeat in Romans 15. I've wanted to go. I don't want to build on anyone else's foundation. I want to blaze a trail. I want to go into brand new places. And what is cool is that's not only Paul's heartbeat, but for some of us in this room, that's the way that God's also given you a passion. 
You love sharing this great news of Jesus with people who have not responded to him and for even what really gets you excited, people who don't even know what you're talking about. I'd love to introduce you to this Savior who changed my everything. He can do that for you as well. Now, while that's true, there's another group of us who go, oh, no, no. I'm really scared of those conversations. They're awkward. They're weird. And and you know what's interesting is that doesn't take us off the hook. At Trinity Church, we talk so much about trying to change our way of thinking that evangelism is a one-size-fits-all knock on people's doors in the middle of a Saturday afternoon and, and have these really weird conversations. We've said it's really relational. It happens best in the context of our relational worlds. And as we're all called to at least that kind of influence in people's lives, the reality is some of us are actually really well built to come alongside people who maybe are brand new Christians or people who've been believers for a while, but they they still have so many areas that they need to mature and grow and look more like Jesus. You love to get in the mix at that stage of discipleship. And I love that. And the point is, every local church needs all of those things. If a local church is only bent, the majority of people are just about reaching people, as awesome as that is, is when people come to Christ, then it's like, well, now what? And how do I grow? And who's going to help me with that? Or conversely, if a church is all excited to help people grow, but nobody is ever coming in that's new in their faith, then we also get stagnant and there's really no one to help further along. So the reality is, is that from the beginning, both of these things are important. Maybe it's another kind of passion that God has given you. Maybe it's the idea of being able to help people um, who have a certain type of demographic. You love student ministries, or you love working with single parents, or maybe it's the idea of helping the elderly, and you're just, you're just drawn. There's a drive and a passion in your life to want to help people. Maybe it's the idea that there's a certain ethnicity, there's a people group, there's even a geographical place on the planet that your heart just beats for and you want to be there investing in that group of people. Maybe it's the idea that you have a particular passion for an activity. And what you do is you use that in a really thoughtful way is that you go, I want to share the greatness of who God is and the love that Jesus has for us by inviting people into these things. So like one of your things, a lot of us at Trinity love hiking. We have beautiful mountains and you just love to walk up on these trails with someone and and not for the purpose of getting up somewhere and then pushing them off, right? That's a bad idea. But being able to show them this beauty of what God's created and be able to say, the God who built this isn't far and away. He's actually come close. His name is Jesus. I'd love for you to know him. Others of us love to engage. Maybe it's the things like music, and you just love to pull people in and just engage that together and be able to show Jesus' love. For others of you at sports, and what you've done is you've become great coaches. You've come alongside children. One of the best things ever is to see a group of kids at the beginning of a season and to see how they grow and how much better they get by the end of the season. That's something that can't be recorded in wins and losses. It's all about development, and you love that. That's a way that your passion, your desire gets to be expressed, and the love of God gets to be a part of that whole sequence. That's what we're talking about when we talk about desires. Let's look at another one. E in your notes is experiences. Experiences, life-shaping encounters. 
What are the milepost things in your life that have been so important and significant? Look for Paul, Acts 22, verse 6. About noon, he's writing about his own story. As I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting, he replied. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you'll be told all, all that, I have, uh, that you have been assigned to do. Sorry, I'm not really good with the English language today. Um, so, so here's Paul's account later in the book of Acts of how Jesus met him on the road. Paul was not named Paul at the time. His name was Saul. He was on his way to persecute Jesus' followers in the city of Damascus. He meets him, this blinding light on the road, and everything else changed after that for him, even his name. Now, many of us don't have that kind of dramatic conversion experience, but the reality is, think of this. What were the factors going on in your life For those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, what were the things leading up to the reason why you finally decided, I need a Savior and His name is Jesus? For many of us, as important as that moment has been, there's also been so many other mile markers in our lives, so many significant experiences. And I want to tell you this, I have had the joy of being at Trinity to do life maps, and it's basically where you kind of chart out the significant moments. I've done those with our elders, I've done those with our pastoral staff, our ministry directors, and here's the powerful thing, after hearing all of these and even looking at my own, the interesting thing is the things that change us the most, the things that shape us the most, the things that we actually have the ability to see what God was doing later were the things that were the hardest. Look in your notes. This is something I've discovered, that along the way, nearly every single time, the most defining moments were the hardest ones. Nearly every single time, the most defining moments were the hardest ones. And here's the thing, when people are looking at their life maps, they're realizing as they go backwards, I would have never voted for this. Yes, God, I'd love for my spouse to leave me. Yes, God, I'd love to go, to this, I'd love to go through this tragedy with a loved one. Yes, God, I'd love to have this illness that completely changed my life. None of us would have voted for those things, but once we have perspective meaning it's never in the moment. I always, when I'm sitting down with people and they're going through a real challenging valley in their lives, I never try to help them discern what is this for, even though I absolutely believe it's for something, because I don't know if we can tell in the moment. But what they can do is we talk, I say, have you had challenges in your life, your walk with the Lord, where you've walked through valleys only on the other side to say, God, now I see what you were doing. And they always say, yes. Yes, I can look back at really challenging seasons. And now with time and perspective, I can see what God was doing. So then I just ask them the question, if God was doing that in your past, why isn't he doing that in your present? And the reality is is that he is. You just can't see it. And your role right now is to hold on tight and continue to walk with him as he walks you through it. So here's the point, experiences of all kinds affect us and shape our lives, but it's usually the ones that are most challenging. Here's another interesting thing, it's not even what that does in you, it's the ability it gives you to be empathetic to others. A wife who was abused has this incredible empathy for battered women. 
A person who was going through really, really challenging times in middle school and high school, but God used a youth worker at their youth group to really just seemingly rescue them. These people are so driven to be youth workers here at Trinity. I want to give back. I want to meet people's students where they are because I knew where I was. That kind of empathy drives us to continue to be involved in other people's lives. And it's so exciting to see the way that God takes really, and he makes beauty from ashes in so many ways in our lives. Moving on, the next letter is the letter S for skills. Skills, those are natural and acquired abilities. Natural and acquired abilities. Here we are, Acts 18, verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come to Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. I want to show you briefly from the book of Acts today, even three examples of other things like this, of skills that God had given people, whether natural or acquired, that allowed them to have more and more of a connection with other people. So what we read about Paul, and you'll even hear sometimes the phrase that this person is a tent maker, and you go, really? There's really that big of a need for people living in the outdoors to make a bunch of tents? And that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is someone who has a vocation that they do work at a point and otherwise are maybe supported by churches, and it's what we call bivocational, or even some that receive no support from a church, and they're simply in the marketplace, This is what they referred to as Paul. Paul was a tent maker, and because of that profession, it brought him to Aquila and Priscilla, who themselves were new in Corinth, and Paul goes and meets them there, and that trade not only becomes something that they're good at and something that provides finances for them, but actually becomes a point of connection, and God uses that relationship in powerful ways. Look at some other ways that people had unique God-given skills. In that same chapter, Aquila and Priscilla begin a relationship with a brand new Christian named Apollos. And what Aquila and Priscilla were great at was not only uh, making tents, but they were also great at being able to come alongside people and nurture and develop. They're incredible developers of people and their gifts. And then this guy, Apollos, The Bible says that before he was someone who put his faith in Jesus, he was an amazing orator. He was very gifted in communication. And they come alongside him, and he's talking about Jesus in a way that's kind of not right, but very eloquent. And they go, hey, we love you. What if we could pull you aside and help nurture a little bit of your understanding of Jesus, and then you can use that incredible skill of oration to the glory of God? Here's the thing I want you to know. One thing I have not talked enough about in these first three years at Trinity has been the idea of how much God wants to use, how much he values the things that you use every day in the marketplace. Marketplace is an incredible point of reference of not only the way that God's gifted you, the way he's designed you, but also the way it demonstrates integrity. I love in Colossians 3, whatever you do, Work is unto the Lord, not to men, not to your direct report, but the way that God would be pleased in the way that you do your best on the job. That's a really important thing. And now translate that a little bit even to what that means at Trinity Church. 
We have this great ministry of building houses down in Mexico, these loft houses. And, and I know the people, they're even in this service who are a really big part of that ministry, would never want me to say that the only people who should be involved in that are really good carpenters, because that's absolutely not the case. They would invite me to go, who is absolutely unskilled at all things related to making things. Okay? And they would invite you to do the same because they know that one of the biggest parts about the trip is how we get to connect with people on the ground. The relational aspect is absolutely amazing. How families get to go as units and children get to come. And I would get right up next to them with my baby hammer and I could knock in some nails. But praise God, there are some people who understand construction who go on these trips. Otherwise, it'd be all novice people like me, and I would really be afraid two days in to see how those houses collapse. That would not be a good testimony for the Lord. We just believe, oh, it fell to the ground. I'm so sorry. We need people with great gifts in all kinds of facets like construction. If you're here and you're gifted, and we have so many people in this local area who are gifted and skilled and, and have great um, just uh, natural abilities as well as training in the field of medicine. Do you know how important it is every time we do a trip that we have someone who has a medical background? Because there is always something that's going to happen. I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and I was always saying, dear God, give me at least one volunteer staff member who knows something about medicine. Because always a kid's going to get hurt in some way or another, and I need that nurse, I need that doctor to step in because you don't want Todd taking next steps, okay? Those are lawsuits come into place. So those kind of things are so important. Maybe you're here and, and your livelihood relates to business and you're really good. I look at numbers and they just kind of look like different languages to me. Like they shouldn't, they're objective. They just should make a lot of sense. But when it comes to putting together a budget or dealing with debt, that stuff for most of us is just so confusing. For you, you make a livelihood out of that. That kind of gifting can be so important when we do things, when we help people at Trinity Church develop budgets. When we help them realize there are ways to get out of debt that are not rocket science, just do this. Those are things we have done and things we're about to do we need you. Your gifts in the marketplace have an incredible outplay here at Trinity. Look in your notes. Here's a blank that you have. It says this, don't for a minute think that your workplace skill or other skills don't have an application. Don't think they don't have an application at Trinity Church. They're all a part of who you are and how God has designed you. Letter I in your notes, identity Key components of your personality. This is what identity refers to. Some of the key components of your personality. Galatians chapter 1. For you have heard of my previous way of life, verse 13, in Judaism. This is Paul writing. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and even tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond uh, many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father's. Here's what Paul's writing. Paul is saying, he's introducing himself to the Galatian church. And he's saying, you didn't know me necessarily before I came to Christ. I was incredibly ambitious, incredibly zealous. But here's the thing we know as we read the rest of the New Testament about Paul, that personality trait didn't go away once he came to Christ. It just had a new focus. It just had a new purpose now where before it was going after religion. Now it was going after relationship. And that that relationship would continue to be shared all, literally, all over the world. 
So the point is, is your personality was not something that was there by mistake or something that before you came to Christ, now all of a sudden you need a new one. Okay, look in your notes. This was a really powerful thing for me to learn, is this idea. In your notes, there are no good or bad personalities. Some of you are going to argue with me on that. There are no good or bad personalities, but different ways that we've been designed that make us a great team when we work together. Here's why I said some of you are going to argue with me. You're going to say, well, Todd, you haven't met this guy sitting next to me. That's a bad personality. And here's what I want to say. I agree that any of us, when we let the flesh dominate the way we interact with people and the way we interact with our daily lives, when we're fleshly, then indeed any personality takes on a really bad spin. But to say that God can't use this group or God doesn't really have a need for this Kind of, that's completely off base. And the interesting thing is, a lot of us have thought that. I myself. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine uh, when I was in college. I was either really, really serious in my dating relationship with Joanna or even engaged by then. And I remember him pulling me aside and he said, Todd, I, I love you. He was a trusted friend. And you know, I, I watch your relationship with Joanna and I think it's so honoring to the Lord. It's a good thing. But have you ever asked yourself, if she's going to make a good pastor's wife because she's really introverted, she's really quiet. And I got to tell you, honestly, I started dating Joanna when she was 14. It was never on my radar, is she going to make a great pastor's wife because I didn't have any idea what God was calling me to. So it was never a thing. And I remember him asking me that one day and it kind of stopped me and I didn't really have a good answer. And except for I said, you know, the way that God has just been leading us all the way along, I'm confident and what he's going to do. You know what was wild? Is just a few weeks later, we, my friend and I and Joanna and some others started a Young Life chapter in the area around our university. And I remember um, that was one of the things that was really nerve-wracking to people like us to walk around and hand out these flyers. Why don't you come to this Young Life group? And, da, da, da. and it was amazing. I remember looking out of the corner of my eye and here are all these extroverts really kind of nervous. And here's Joanna, this introvert. Hey, you should go to this. Hey, you need one of these. Hey, this is going to be awesome putting the rest of us to shame. And I got to tell you, we've been married 26 years. Thank you. That wasn't why I was saying that. What I was saying is this. She is an amazing compliment to the way that God has built me. When I was a youth pastor, I'm big and out there. And honestly, some of my kids were afraid of me. Like, tone it down. They're like, is Joanna nearby? Because we'd love just to have a calm conversation with her. She's amazing across the table, one-on-one, one-on-two. And I want you to hear that if you have somehow heard a message that God can't use you because of your personality type, I'm just going to tell you, you've heard wrong. I absolutely know it. God wants to use exactly the way he's designed you to be put into motion in a way that's going to honor him, consistent with the all of who you are, not just a part. Next letter, letter G, is back to gifts. This is the one that you kind of expected from the beginning. Gifts, spirit-given spirit enablement to serve others and build up the body. From Ephesians 3, verse 2, Paul writes, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that, that grace is another word for gift. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. 
See, for many of us, we grew up in churches, and this is all that we would talk about related to your design is simply what are your gifts. And this is important. I don't want to ever lessen this. This is huge. We believe that the New Testament teaches that when someone puts their faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God begins to indwell them. And at that moment also gives them unique gifts they didn't have before that they can put into motion for the good of serving other people, for the good of building up the kingdom of God. So we absolutely believe that. Here's the point though. I believe that's what's great about this idea of design. It was never in a vacuum. It was never random. It was always in concert with all of who you are, not just this one moment of time. So what I love about that is this is a a huge piece and this is a thing we'd never want to lessen, but it's not the whole piece. This bigger picture of the holistic of you is really what matters. Here's another reason I said why you want to go to the design class is because this idea of actually doing a spiritual gifts inventory, we're not doing that here this morning, but that's what we'll do there and you'll get a much better idea of how God has gifted you. Finally today, letter in nature, how you approach relationships and teamwork. What is your nature? What's the way you're built? Acts 15, 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and build, or back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Many of us have heard of this in Acts 15 about this schism between Paul and Barnabas, but I want to tell you what was underlying it comes back to this idea of how people work in teams. I believe Paul was so convinced of the importance of reliability it's, we read it in the text. Mark had left. They were partway on a trip and he deserted them. He took off. And I think Paul is saying, I need people I can trust. I need people who are loyal. And that's the team I'm going to roll with. So much so that he parted company with Barnabas. And my point is, I think that demonstrates really how he worked with people and the kinds of things he was expecting. You have a similar way of the way that you look at relationships, the way you look at teamwork. And I will tell you this, for some of us, it's really hard to see it. You actually need someone that you trust, a close friend, maybe a spouse, who could actually mirror some of that back to you and help you realize, how do I function in a team? Am I always the person who has to take charge? Do I kind of slink back in the shadows and never want to be involved and contribute? Those kinds of things you would hear honestly from a trusted friend and some of the, an, another tool that you'll get when you go to the class. Well, that's it. That's the the things I wanted to lay out today about what our design concept mean. Here's what I want you to do. Obvious next steps. I'd love for you to go out and see the expo. We have great things out there. Whenever you hear there's treats, that's a reason for us to go check it out. There's shade, so go in under the tents. And and I just want to have you prayerfully consider what is your next step of obedience in this topic today? Let me pray. Father, we love you. We're very grateful for how you have wired us. We're very grateful to see once again from Scripture the full picture of your design, not just what our unique gifts are, but everything about us comes into play. And I pray that we would recognize your goodness, we would recognize your strategy, we'd recognize your purpose, and we'd want to engage it. Because God, we need We need an army of people to serve according to their gifts for Trinity Church to be what you've called it to be in this area. So I pray that kind of discernment and wisdom and obedience over this group today.
We love you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Do me a favor, two things before you go. <clears throat> Number one, if you have kids in our program, if you'd wait till 12.05, that's nine minutes from now, to pick them up, even if you're not at the expo, then we won't have waves of pickup. Secondly, there's a prayer team down front today who'd love to pray for you if there's anything we can lift to the Lord. Otherwise, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.